Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. I want to welcome all of our campuses with today, and uh, we're just glad to have all of you with us, um, because this weekend we're in our third week of our series entitled Four, and uh, as we've said uh, over the last couple weeks, uh, one of the reasons this series is so important for us, especially at the beginning of this year, is this. We, we just really believe that for far too long, and, and there's all kind of surveys and studies that have been done to show that for far too long, in fact, several decades now, churches have become known for what? they are against rather than what they are for. In fact, as we said the last couple of weeks, quite often you'll see a church or you'll have a church or have a sign or you'll experience a church where they have a sign, something like this outside, welcome to church, we're glad that you're here. But then when you walk in the door, you feel like that they should have had a sign that says something like this, you know, all are welcome if you look like us, you think like us, you act like us, you believe like us, and you behave like us. And because of this perception that the church is known more for what it's against, and this perception has been going on for a long time, here's the reality. And it's a reality that I pray that all of us will allow sink in. Most people don't even have an interest in attending church. But here's the truth. We, we believe as a church that, and we believe this because of what Jesus said, and we try to follow the teachings of Jesus, and because of what the apostles wrote in, in their epistles, their letters that they wrote, that the church should be known for what and who it is for, not for what or who it is against, which means this, and we've said this for the last several weeks, a church for everyone has to be full of people for everyone, or another way to say that is a church for everyone cannot be against anyone. So let me just go ahead and say, if you missed the last couple of weeks, I want you to make sure and go back and listen to the first two weeks because they're a very important part of this series. And let me just also say, here's the other thing we're discovering about this series. This series is messing with a lot of you, and we feel like it's a good thing. We're just kind of glad. I mean, it's so interesting that some of the conversations that people are having with each other, and they're kind of drifting back, like, you know, finding their way back to me and some of the other staff, and then some people even have this conversation with me. And because we're doing this series four, and we're going to church for everyone, cannot be against anyone, there's been a lot of conversations about whether Paul and the staff are getting liberal in our theology. Like, are we going all, because the church for everyone can't be against anyone. And what it's doing, what it's doing, it's really revealing a crack in this whole thing of church world to help us understand we really are not for everyone. And our culture feels that. And I can promise you, I can absolutely promise you, I am more conservative in my theology than probably anybody who attends RCC and most pastors I know in our area, our region. But here's what I've come to understand and realize as I follow and study the life of Jesus, and that is this. I've come to understand the more conservative we are theologically, because I don't know anybody who is more conservative theologically than Jesus, the more liberal we should be and the more lavish we should be with grace. Because that's what Jesus was. See, we just believe in following Jesus that a church for everyone cannot be against anyone. And, and if what I just said kind of shakes you up and maybe you just say, how can you be for everyone and you know, not be against people you disagree with? You know, where do you draw the line? Where do you take a stand? Write this date down. You need to write this date down. Because we do a lot of trainings around here and, and sometimes you guys just take it you know, like, oh, well, they'll do another one one day and it'll be, no, no, no. Here's the thing. Write this date down. March the 3rd 
On March the 3rd, from 8.30 to 11 o'clock, we are holding a training for all of our dream team members. About twice a year, we do something, a training called Theopraxis, okay? And Theopraxis is a series of training for all of our dream team members, that's everybody who volunteers at RCC, to help them figure out practical ways to live out their theology. In fact, last year in 2017, we did two Theopraxis twice. We're going to do it twice this year. We, the first one we did was on growth. How do you grow spiritually? How do you help other people grow spiritually? How do you help them on that journey? The second week was on invest, and we talked about how do you build relationships and how do you have conversations with people who are not Christ followers so you're not offensive? How do you have conversations that help lead them to a, a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, this module, we've never taught it here before, so just every time you hear the word Theopraxis, it doesn't mean we're doing the same thing. This is about a five-year cycle that we're taking all of our dream team through. And this one's called Modern. That's what we're calling it. And it's, and it's this whole thing idea of how, do you, how can you be for people when you disagree with people? And we're just going to dig into the theology of that at another level and... Um, in this training, we're just going to absolutely unpack how you can be for people that you totally disagree with. And because this series has messed with so many of you, and we feel like in a very good way, we're opening up this training not just for our dream team, but we're opening up to everyone. So if you want to attend, you have to RSVP. Now, a way that you can do that is inside your worship guide today, there was a connect card. Some of you turned that in during the giving time. Some of you held on to it. If you still have that, you can fill that out and you can drop it in the box on your way out of the auditorium, whichever campus you're sitting on. At each campus, they have boxes that you can drop it in the auditorium. Or you can email us at info at rivertown.cc. Please RSVP because we're going to have breakfast available. We'll have childcare available if you need that. You just need to let us know for all of our campuses so they can prepare. So um, I, I just want to tell you, we, we know this is messing with a lot of people in a really good way, and so we're just going to help you take it to the next level. We think it's a good thing because we really believe it is showing a true crack, really showing a true problem that the church has with being for, and our communities feel that. Now, some of you, man, you just launched into this thing like head first, like boom, jumping off the cliff. I'm going after it. You're embracing this thing, being for our communities. One of the funniest stories that I've heard so far is um, on the Bluntstown campus and in, in, in the Calhoun County, Liberty County. For that, for the Bluntstown campus, because there are so many people from Liberty County and Calhoun County who attend that at campus, we, and, and it's common language in that in that community to say Calhoun Liberty County because there's so much things they do jointly. Well, yesterday there was um, because uh, February is Black History Month, um, so there was this uh, there was this celebration parade, and so there was a lot of people from our Bluntstown campus who were in that, and they were wearing their four Calhoun Liberty T-shirts. And somebody came up to one of the guys who was who's walking in this celebration of, of Black History Month parade. Um, they were, they walked up to him and said, "So." Is this for, we are for Calhoun Liberty County, is this a new movement that some people are trying to start to integrate and make sure both counties become one county? <laughs> and it's just funny like what people think. But here's the cool thing. If you were with us last week, what do we say this is going to do? When people see this, it's going to create what? Conversation. And it's like, yes, and what'd you do? And of course, the guy's like, man, I told him. He's like, no, 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 it's nothing about making one, uh, you know, two counties one, that kind of thing. It's just saying, we are a group of people who are for the communities in which we live. And so it opens up those doors for, con for conversation. Also, this week, I got an email, and it had this picture attached to it. And uh, in this picture, in this email, basically said, it says, um, th this is a, a 
It's on a drink machine you can, or vending machine. You can't really see it here. And these are stickers here. This is like stickers that we give out to our students and we give out to our children every week because they're giving a challenge to how to be for their community. And so one of them last or the first week was that you put some money on a vending machine and you put the four sticker with a note, handwritten note on it that we're for you and you know we care about you and that kind of thing and just leave it anonymously there. And so basically th- this person said in their email, it said attached is a picture of the same note that you know we put on this vending machine last week when they first got the sticker, but it says now it's back up with a different amount of money. Actually, this person, whoever put it back up, put more money in it, okay? So basically what they said is they put it up one day, and the same day they put it up, it was taken down, so they thought somebody had just taken, used the money, and thrown away the sticker and and the little Ziploc bag they put up with the note, but they didn't. They paid it backwards, isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, that's right. You can celebrate that on all our campus. I mean, it, it makes a difference. And so we just love what four is all about and, and how it's really just making a difference in our communities already. And you're going to hear more and more stories of what people are doing and, and how they're just jumping in and saying, hey, we want our communities to know that we are for them. So for those of you that are already brace, embracing being for our community, I just want to say thank you so much for that because we believe it's going to turn our communities upside down. Now, to continue our conversation today, I want you to think about this logo for just a moment. Very familiar logo. In fact, the Coca-Cola logo has been referred to as the second most recognizable symbol or logo in the world. Now, it's not only the second most recognizable symbol or logo in the world, it's also the second most recognizable word in the world, next to the word okay. Now, part of the reason that this is such a recognizable symbol, second most recognizable symbol, is that Coke, their goal is this. It is to have a Coke within arm's reach of anyone on the planet. Now, don't miss that. Coca-Cola, their goal is, is to have a Coke in arm's reach of anyone on the planet. And in some ways, you could say, that is a pretty crazy goal that they would have a Coke within arm's reach of 7.5 billion people. That's a pretty audacious goal, right? And yet, what studies show is that Coke continues to make great strides toward that goal to the point that they are now the second most recognizable logo and the second most recognizable word in the world. Now, here's a question. Why is that? Well, part of the reason is because Coke is very passionate about what they do. Very passionate about what they do. They really believe in sugar water. It makes your life better. Have a Coke and sugar water and smile, right? And so as a result of all of that, they've taken huge strides over the years to the point, as we just said, that they're like the second most recognizable symbol in the world. Now, notice this. We said that they are the what? The second most recognizable symbol in the world. Which leads us to this question. What is the number one most recognizable symbol in the world? Any guesses on any of our campuses? The cross. Yeah, those of you that set the cross got the cross right. Those of you that are addicted to Facebook got it right. But anyhow, I'm just, I'm just teasing, I'm teasing you guys. So it's the cross. And here's the thing. Like Coca-Cola... Here's the reality. We have a lot of work to explain the beauty and the meaning of the cross. And not just a lot of work to do to explain the beauty of the meaning of the cross around the world, but also in our communities. 
Please don't listen, please, please don't miss what I'm gonna say. Please listen to what I'm about to say. I've got two, two thoughts in my head at one time. Please listen to what I'm about to say here. In the communities in which we have church campuses right now, in the four different communities that we have campuses, don't miss this. Studies have shown this. Demographic studies have shown this. This is not just something people have made up. Demographic studies have shown that that less than 20% of the people in any of the counties that we have campuses in attend church on a Sunday. Which means that over 80% of the people in our communities don't attend church. And I'm gonna tell you something, that's worse than some third world countries. It's huge when you think about it. See, not only does it mean that less or that you have 80% or more people that are not attending a church on a Sunday, here's what studies have also shown. That if a person is not a regular attender in church, the likelihood of them being in a relationship with God, a growing relationship with God, pursuing a relationship with God, is minimal. The likelihood of that is minimal. So what that means is, no matter what campus you're sitting at listening to me talk today, if you would draw a 30-mile radius around our churches, you would have a lot of people who don't really know what the cross means and what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And so the greatest challenge for us is that we begin to care about every one of those people. I mean, this mindset that some church people have, that we live in a, in a, in a, in a Christian country that's full of Christians that are pursuing a relationship with God, it's mental. I even had a person tell me recently the reason that they really don't want to get involved in like our children's ministry or student ministry is because everybody who comes to our church, now those of you who serve in family ministry or student ministry, you're going to laugh when I say this. They say they really want to do that is because all the students and kids who come to our church, they all have Christian homes and, good, and you know, great families. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, what kind of rock have you been living under? See, the greatest challenge we have is because we believe so many myths in church world is, is for every one of us to care about every one of those people who do not have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ or any kind of relationship with Jesus Christ. Because, because here's the truth. Coca-Cola would never say that they've reached enough people with Coke. Co Coca-Cola would say, there are more people that we need to reach which is why that we pray as a staff that it would never be said that Coca-Cola is more passionate about sugar water than we are about reaching people for Jesus Christ. But at this point, I think they are. And that's sad. See, here's the thing you have to understand. The thing that keeps Coca-Cola focused is that Coca-Cola doesn't focus on their success. Here's what they do. They focus on their potential. Don't miss this. What Coca-Cola focuses on as a company and organization isn't their success, but their potential. And here's the thing. That's what we have to focus on if we're gonna continue to reach people with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's what we have to focus on as well. Not our success. I mean, it'd be so easy in this season for us to kind of go, oh, we've done, you know, God's done good work through us. You know, we got four campuses. You know, we got churches coming in. We have a, a church coming in like on Monday to study our Bluntstown campus and kind of 
view it and then another, and they're gonna, then they're going to go to Tuesday. They're going to be on our Mariana campus and study it and those kind of things. It'd be so easy to go, oh, we got churches coming in to study us and figure out what we're doing and how to do church better you know, in their locations. And really start thinking like, we're somehow successful. We're not. That's not what we need to focus on. We need to focus on our potential. Please hear my heart on this. God hasn't blessed us with success. God has blessed us with potential. And our potential is the number of people in our communities who do not know Jesus Christ, who are not pursuing intimacy with God, community with other believers, and influence with the unchurched. And when we talk about unchurched, we mean people who who don't really even know or they're not fully appreciative of the link that Jesus went to in order to bring his forgiveness and his amazing grace into their lives. So today... We want to talk about how do we continue to take steps toward reaching our potential of reaching the people who are in our communities for Jesus Christ. And to do that, we want to reflect on a question that we asked last week, and that is this. So what do we want to be known for? Or as many of you who might be English teachers, you might have changed it in your mind so it would come out proper, and that is for what do we want to be known? So, So here's what we said. We want to be known by the people in our communities, that we are what? For them. Now, it's so important that people understand that because what we discovered together last week is this. Most people are more familiar with what the church is against than what it is for. So we want to be known as a church of what we are for and who we're for. See, we want to be known in the communities that we're in that we are for Calhoun Liberty County, whether they merge or not. We're for them. You know what I'm saying? That's just so funny to me. You know, we are for Washington County. We are for Holmes County. We are for Jackson County. We are for Wakulla County. See, we're for the people in our communities. We're for the schools. We're for the businesses. We're for the organizations. We want our communities to thrive because we're part of the communities that we're in. And even the greater motivation of why we are for is because God is for the people in our communities. So therefore, we should be for them. So today, what we want to do as we can continue to talk about how we can continue to grow our hearts to be for those around us, because like I said, because of the questions and, and the real concerns about you know, where we're at theologically as a church, it is really kind of uncovered even for this organization, this church, that we struggle with being for everyone, that we understand how to be for everyone. Now, to to make sure that we are kind of growing our hearts is this, is we need to talk a little bit today about the mindset that we need to have in order to connect with people who are disconnected or have never connected with Jesus Christ. The mindset that we need to have, in fact, we, we that we, and we, we talked about this last week, the mindset that we need to have in order to create common ground, to create conversations, and to create connections. And, and talking about the right, right mindset, I'm telling you folks, it's so important. Because here's the thing, our words are only 7% of how people understand us. That they go based on body language, they go based on attitude, and so we've got to have the right mindset so that what we're communicating to the people in our communities really is what we're saying. Because I'm telling you folks, how we interact and how we respond to the people in our communities, whether it's verbally 
or whether it's like some attitude that we display or you know, that we, we kind of present with our body language, it communicates to people loud and clear whether we are for them or whether we are against them. And more important than that, it communicates to them loud and clear whether their heavenly father is for them too. Now, to kind of help us have the right mindset that will help us be for people is we want to remind you quickly of something that we talked about last week, and it comes from the words of Jesus. We looked at it in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. I want you to notice this. It says, for the Son of Man, referring to Jesus, for Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. Now, I want you to notice this word lost right here. Because when I was growing up, and I grew up in church world, when I was growing up, we used to use this little word right here at the end of Jesus' statement to define people who were far from God. And we would use that statement, we would say, well, they're just lost. They're lost people. And honestly, over time, because I grew up hearing that phrase and began to use that, that term, lost there, began to get kind of a stigma for me. And it became kind of this diminishing, condescending word. It's, it's those lost people. Those, those people that aren't saved, they're, they're not Christ followers, they're not Christians. We said Christians. And it's like, they're lost. And it was like a diminishing, they're less than kind of word. You know, he's lost, or she's lost, or, or we go, yeah, they live like that, or they behave like that, because they're just lost. We kind of used it to excuse behavior. But you know, as we talked about last week, you only lose something that is extremely valuable to you, which means when Jesus used this term lost right here, there was no stigma attached to that. He wasn't trying to find a label to attach to a group of people so he didn't have to hang out with them. No, when Jesus used this term lost right here, he was communicating value. But in our culture, this term has a bit of deeper dilemma that goes on with it. In other words, when we talk about lost people in our community, lost people for 21st century culture are people who have not only said no to Jesus, they've not only said no to Jesus, what we believe, and to the church, but they're often people who feel like, don't miss this, they feel like the church has said no to them. Like you're just less than. You're lost. But I'm going to tell you, here's how this change in our mindset about what loss means, that it means value. Not only when Jesus says, but also in our culture, it means this. It means our church, instead of saying, no, you're less than, you're, you're lost, it means we need to say yes to those who said no. We, we need to say yes to people who've said no to what we believe. We need to say yes to people who said no to the church. And I'm gonna tell you something, folks. To say yes to those who said no, it really requires a mindset shift that really pushes back against a way of thinking that we who have been in church for a long time have a tendency to have. Because it's this way of thinking that we call insider thinking. Because insider thinking is only thinking about myself. It's only being concerned about myself. Insider thinking is all about protecting myself. Insider thinking is going, okay, what about me? It's that kind of thinking. Or how's this gonna benefit me? Or how's this gonna be good for me? That's kind of insider thinking. And believe it or not, I can tell you this, Coca-Cola, if you study their organization, they fight against insider thinking. 
In fact, they've never allowed insider thinking to stop them from trying to put a Coke within arm's reach of anyone on the planet. See, insider thinking for Coca-Cola would sound something like this. Well, we should stop expanding to new territories because we have this, we got this re region or we got this division and they got some issues and they don't have everything worked out yet and so we need to get everything perfect before we try to reach more people with Coca-Cola or, you know, we might, if we go out to another region or a different area, then we might lose some people who already drink Coke. I mean, Coca-Cola has never allowed that thought process to drive their decision-making. And yet, you know what? The truth is, the church often does. And again, our prayers, we said at the beginning, is, is that could it never be said of us that Coca-Cola is more passionate about sugar water than we are about reaching people for Jesus Christ? So saying yes to those who've already said no is going to require every one of us to push back against some insider thinking, some me first thinking, some what about me thinking. And please hear me. There is no organization that exists, whatever organization you might be a part of, that does not drift at some point in time toward insider thinking. I'm just telling you folks, no matter what organization you're in, it is hard and difficult to push back against insider thinking, especially when it comes to church world, because it's insiders, get this, it's us insiders that come to church every week. It's us insiders that give every week. It's us insiders that serve every week. And it's us insiders that are kind of like in small groups at RCC. In fact, we, we hardly ever get any calls. I can't think of any, really, in all the years that I've been pastoring, over 24 years, that we get a call saying, if you, if you start doing this at that church, then I'll come. Or if you'll stop doing this at that church, then I'll come. We never get those kind of calls from people who are not part of the church. But I'm telling you, it's all too common to hear thoughts and opinions from an insider say something like this. If you do this, then I'm going to quit coming. Or if you don't start doing this, then I'm going to quit coming. Or if you keep doing this, then I'm going to quit coming. And here's what happens as a pastor when we hear those kind of conversations because we care about everyone. Because we really do. We care about insiders. We care about outsiders. What happens is it begins to drive our heart. As pastors, or if we're not careful, we'll start crafting our church only for people who are already going to spend eternity in heaven. Because even like starting this four series, I've already had two people who said, listen, if this is the direction RCC is going, we're not going to be here anymore. And I was like, wow, really? And, you know, if, and so I start going in my mind going, okay, what can we do different? What can we do different so we don't, you know, so these people don't leave? Because we care about them. We care about everyone. In fact, I, over the last 24 years, I've been in a lot of these, what I call threatening to leave kind of conversations you know, where people say, if you don't do this, or if you keep doing this, or if you don't start doing this. And, and here's what I tell people, and I even said it to one person who was in that conversation, who, one of the persons who said to me that, you know, if y'all are gonna go down this four thing, then we're gonna leave. I, I always tell them, listen, listen, the best kind of church for you to attend isn't one that caters to your every whim and every want. I mean, think about it. If we get our way all the time, does that make us more selfless or more selfish? I mean, if you're a parent, you understand the answer to that one. You know, if you give your children their way all the time, does that make them more selfish or more selfless? Does it make them more grateful or more entitled? So, so the best kind of church 
It isn't one that necessarily caters to us. The best kind of church is the one that engages us in the mission of Jesus Christ. And the mission of Jesus Christ is seeking and saving that which is what? Lost. And lost is about value. Those who are valuable. And who is valuable is everyone. It's the insider. It's the outsider. We all have equal value to God. So every local church, over time, what happens is, and we've been in existence, I've been pastoring here almost 25, October this year will be 25 years, and if you're not careful, you start drifting toward insider thinking, and and as I said, why wouldn't we? We're already here. I mean, like, we know the songs, we kind of know the songs we like and don't like, I mean, we kind of know where to sit, we know how to park, we know the routine of checking on our kids, I mean, it's like, we know, and if we're not careful, we kind of start treating the church like a restaurant. It's like, well, I tip or I tithe, and so therefore, you know, you should serve me. And if you don't serve me, then, you know, I'm not going to be happy because that's kind of what people do with restaurants, right? So every local church has to fight the pull toward insider focus. And I'm telling you, folks, it's so understandable because we're already here. And as I said, people who aren't part of the church, I mean, they never call to complain. But I want you to think about this. We're going to put it on the screen right here. People who don't attend here, they don't even think about us. You got to understand that. People who don't attend church, they don't not only think about RCC, they don't think about any church. I mean, it's amazing. Do this sometime. Uh, Sometimes I'll just kind of do a little, you know, impromptu survey and I'll ask people, hey, could you tell me like where Rivertown Community Church is or do you know where Rivertown Community Church is at? No. And I go, like, RCC, you know RCC? You're like, I mean, Royal Crown Cola? You know, that kind of thing? I'm, you know? They, no, no, listen. People that don't attend church, they, they don't not only not pay any attention to us or think about us, they ignore us. Because it's those people that are against us. I mean, when they see any church sign, they don't look to see what the name of the church is. They just see it's a church sign and they go, oh, that's those people that are against us. And because of that, it's so easy for churches to become totally insider focused and focus only on those of us who are already here. And I'm just going to tell you, but to be a church that is known to be for everyone, we have to be intentional about defying the gravitational mindset toward insider thinking, which always causes us, believe it or not, it causes us to ignore those on the outside. And one of the ways you know that you're ignoring those on the outside is you don't schedule any time in your life outside of church to invest and invite to build relationships with unchurched people. And I'm just going to tell you, right now, the worst thing that could happen to us in this season as a church is that we would get satisfied and that we would feel like somehow we've arrived. You know, we got four campuses going on. We got churches coming in to study us and those kind of things. And I'm just telling you, it would be really easy if you consider this your church home right now to think like, we got everything that we need or we should get everything that we want. And because of that, we are in a very dangerous spot as a church. So today, we just want to challenge you All of those of you who call yourself Christ followers, all of those of you who call yourself Christians, that you will get involved with a purpose and a mission greater than yourself, that you would engage. 
And here's how we say, you know, that you would engage and you would serve our church, you would serve in our church, and you would serve in our community. That you just don't come and sit in rows and look back ahead and listen to someone communicate or someone sing. You know, that you, you say, I'm going to start serving in the church, I'm going to start serving in the community, because see, the way people know that you're for them is that you do something for them. That you're going to give to our church and they're going to be generous in the community, that you'll invest in people and you'll build relationships with them, and that you'll invite them to be part of, of our church family. And to help us understand how to do that, for the next few minutes, I just want to give you two practical ways to do this. And there's a lot of things we could do, but I just want to boil it down to two very practical ways that will help us have a mindset that is for others instead of being insider-focused. Now, these two ways aren't ways that we came up with. Instead, we're just simply following what the Apostle Paul did when he visited a very unchurched group of people in a city called Athens. Now, when the Apostle Paul shows up in Athens, he has like this conversation with a group of people, get this, who knew nothing about Jesus. If you got your Bibles, you want to go there, Acts chapter 17. They, these people knew nothing about Jesus. They never heard about Jesus. In fact, this conversation, it took place about 20 years after the events of Jesus' life. And the only reason we have record of this is because there was a man by the name of Luke who was a doctor who traveled around with the Apostle Paul. He took note of everything that happened as Paul moved around the Mediterranean rim planting churches. In fact, what's happening here, it happened before the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, the book of John, and probably the book of Luke was ever written. So there was not like a New Testament. They couldn't refer to like the written words of Jesus. And so, G, so the Apostle Paul, he comes into the city called Athens and he looks around the city and there are idols everywhere and he's greatly distressed to see this idol, the city full of idolatry. So the Apostle Paul, he's walking around, he's checking out this city and he's engaging people in their conversations about their philosophy of life and their religion and because Athens was full of philosophers, that wasn't very hard to do. And then he goes into the synagogues and he tells them about what he believed and what he learned about Jesus and, and what he you felt you heard that Jesus had said. And then he goes out in the marketplace and he begins to engage people in conversation about religion and about philosophy of life. And I want you to notice what happens because what happens here in these next couple of verses is Apostle Paul gives us two ways that can help us shift our mindset to be for our communities. I want you to notice what happens. Acts chapter 17, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus. And said, I just messed that word up, but y'all can do it your own way. People of Athens said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Don't miss that word, I see. Okay, that's very important. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. Now stop there for just a moment. Notice what the Apostle Paul does. The first thing Paul did was when he went in this community is he saw he walked around, he observed, and you could just say, you know what he really did? If he took all these three together and put them together, he did what? He listened. And I'm gonna tell you, this example of what the Apostle Paul does when he comes into this community, it leads us to a very practical action. And that is this. It is to say yes by listening more. It is to say yes to, to the people who've said no or felt like the church has said no to them by listening more. Notice, the Apostle Paul, he goes into the city and he listened. And he listened, first of all, not to begin refuting what he heard, but to understand where these people are coming from. Now, let me just tell you why that's so important to us. 
Most of us listen in order to respond to the people that we disagree with. In other words, most of us, when we're in a conversation with someone that we disagree with, I mean, we're listening to figure out how we're going to make our point, how we're going to set them right, how we're going to correct them. So most of us, we listen to respond to the people we disagree with instead of listening to understand the people that we disagree with. And I tell our staff this all the time. Listen, listening is like the most powerful tool that you can, can have in your leadership toolbox. Listening is like the most powerful tool that you can have to create common ground, to create conversation, to create connection. In fact, let me just help you understand the power of listening. Cheryl Backelder, she was the former CEO of Popeye Chicken. The reason I say former CEO of Popeye Chicken is because she led this amazing turnaround in this company. And about eight or nine years ago, she took over the leadership of this company and is about to go off the face of the map. It was about to go bankrupt. And you know, people are thinking, it's not gonna survive. And she turns the company around and a few months ago, Popeye's was bought out by the guy who owns the franchise of Burger King for $1.8 billion, cash deal. $1.8 billion, cash deal. Somebody who's in the franchise business looked at Popeye's that was about to go bankrupt some years ago and says, oh, it's worth about $1.8 billion and I'll give you cash for it. And when she was asked, what was the most important action that she took that would implement this kind of change? She immediately said, I went on a listening tour. She went around and she listened to the people who were part of the organization, who owned the franchises in the organization. She went around and listened to the customers and the potential customers. Folks, we can't underestimate how big an idea this is, that we get this listening thing right. In fact, let me just give you a couple examples. So we're going to put some numbers up here in just a moment that are a result of a a survey. A few years ago, there was a survey of people who identified themselves as having no religion, okay? They were called the nuns. Now, if you're listening online later, it's not the N-U-N-S, okay? It's not those kind of nuns, but the N-O-N-E-S, okay? So they're nuns. They have no religion. And here's some of the characteristics of the nuns. They're 18 to 34 years of age. They live in the United States. They have no religion. Now, there was this question that was asked of the nuns, and here was the question. How interested would you be in hanging out with a church pastor or staff member? How interested would you be with hanging out with a church pastor or staff member? Because, you know, most of the time people are like, hey, Andy, I got somebody you need to talk to. You know what the answer of the nuns was? 80% of unchurched 18 to 34-year-olds are not interested in hanging out with a church pastor or staff member. Interested at all, not at all. So the question becomes, how in the world does anyone share the good news of Jesus Christ with a person who's not even interested in it? Now, there was a glimmer of good news in this survey on this whole listening idea. The question was also asked, what, if anything, do you like or would you like about church? What, if anything, do you like or would you like about church? And their answer was this. I would be more likely to attend church if I could find a community I could relate to. Listen. People outside the church, as we said last week, do not feel like they have anything in common with people in the church. 
They, they don't feel like they have any way they can really relate. But they said, listen, I don't even want to talk to anybody really who's like represents the church, but I would be more likely to attend church if I could find a community I could relate to. And here's the thing I want to tell you. We don't have to compromise our beliefs. We don't have to water down our values. What the Apostle Paul is showing us, we just have to be available to listen. We need to listen to the people in the communities in which we live. See, one of the best ways that you can show that you are for others is by trying to understand them, not to be understood. And we say that all the time with our staff. Listen, your job is not to have people fully understand you, but first seek to understand them. And that's one of the best ways that you can help people know that we are for them. So we need to let people know that we are for them, that the church is here for them. And so you listen. In fact, that's one of the reasons that we say every Sunday, and some of you are like, oh, why do you keep saying that? That we say every Sunday, hey, if you're a first-time guest, we're so glad that you're here. To remind everyone that we are for everyone, that there are special guests. We want them to know that we're for them. We want them to know that God is for them. We want them to know who we know, and that is Jesus. So the question becomes then, how, how can we help people find a community that they could relate to? so that they can feel like that there is some common ground. So we say, the first way, is we say yes by listening more instead of just trying to make our point or just trying to give out our opinion. The second way we do this, and we find this from the Apostle Paul, we say yes in a common unifying language. Okay, we say yes in a common unifying language. I want you to notice how the Apostle Paul starts speaking the language of the people in Athens. Notice what happens. Back to our verse again. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar, don't miss this next, with this inscription, or you could even say with this language, to an unknown God. And then he begins to have a conversation with them about this unknown God in their common language. Now, here's the problem with that. For far too long, the church has expected people to speak the church language, our language. For is speaking the language of the community that you're in. See, for far too long, you know, we've thrown out words like this, sanctification, justification, redemption, perpetuation, and we expect everybody to understand that, and I just lost many of you who were church people, you know? But being for people is speaking in the language of the community that you're in. So if you're in a community and they say can't, then guess what you say? Can't. If they say can't, you say can't. That's right. See, some of you already know how to speak that language. That's right. But seriously, you find common ground with being speaking a common language of the people that are around. So for example, if you find common ground around sports, then speak sports language. And don't speak, guys, listen, don't speak church sports language. No, like, you know, if you're against an opposing team, tell them you are. Be all against, you know, be a man about it. Don't like, well, we should love everybody. You know, that kind of thing. No, I, I, want, I want our team to kick your team's butt. You know, that kind of thing. And now it works, it's like, you just say it like it is. You know, it's like, so that people know you're a human being, that you're real. Or, you know, if you find common ground around hunting, then speak hunting. You know, it's like, for me, it's like when somebody goes, do you like hunting? I was like, no, I like to hunt. I like to kill. I'm like, do what? 
I said, I don't like to hunt. I like to kill. I, I don't, I'm not a hunter. I'm a killer. You know, if I go in the woods, I want to kill something. That's the deal, you know? So it's like, you know, we so churchify our language. Oh, you know, we go. Listen, there needs to be a common language between you and whoever you talk to. I mean, ladies, listen, if the other ladies are talking Pinterest, then talk Pinterest. You know, even though you're addicted to Pinterest, you know, still talk Pinterest. It's okay, you know what I mean? Just talk Pinterest. Now, here's the thing, guys, before you start bashing on your lady about Pinterest, here's what I know, ladies, listen, ladies, there are some guys out there that are addicted to Pinterest too. It's it's real, yeah, it really is. So, um, you know, here's the thing, just speak the common language of the people. We... You know, we try to churchify everything. And what the Apostle Paul shows us is that if you're a Christ follower, listen, the burden is on you to speak the language of the people. The burden's on us. Common, unifying language is absolutely important. We need to speak the language of our community. And not only do we need to speak common language in our community, but we need to even speak it in the church. And that's why we're launching this whole four uh, initiative. Because what this four initiative does is beginning to build a common language and a common bond that runs all the way from Wombaland, which is our preschool, through Upstreet, which is elementary, and transit and inside out, which is middle school and high school, all the way into our adults, that communicates a mission and a purpose that can be understood by those outside the church and by those of us inside the church. So, saying yes by listening more, and then speaking a common language, when you first think about it, it probably feels a little harder than what it really is. Because when you think about it, you have more in common with the people that you live in the community with than what you absolutely guess or you think about. I mean, think about, we live in the same area, we care about the same organizations, we care about the same institutions, we care about the same businesses, and we, we, we wanna see our communities thrive because we want our lives to thrive. You know, we probably even like some of the same sports teams. If we don't, you know, you can have a great subject of friendly debate or banter about that. But even greater about this, see, I've got them here. We've been handing out these pay it backwards cards, these four cards, and we've been challenging you to pay it backwards. Remember that? So like we've, each week for the last couple of weeks, you we said, listen, whenever you go through a drive-through, you know, just pay for the food to the person behind you and leave the card with the person in the drive-through window and just tell them to the person, hand to the person behind you. I want you to think about the common ground when you pay it backwards. Think about this. Not only are you both hungry, you both want the same restaurant on the same day, in the same time window, and you both didn't want to get out of your cars because you're probably both busy. See, that's like six things that you have in common with somebody you don't even know that lives in your community. So why would we not take advantage of that to create some kind of conversation, even if that conversation is with you, even if they say to that person in the drive-thru, who gave you that card and what does this four mean? And then they start going out in the community and ask other people, hey, I got one of these four cards. What does it mean? Listen, we can't miss the importance of this. We, we can't get caught up in thinking that somehow God has given us some kind of success as a church. No, 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 no. We have to see that God has given us incredible potential as a church. In fact, as the philosopher from Charlie Brown, Linus said, he said this, there is no heavier burden than having great potential. And we have great potential. And that should be a great burden on all of our hearts as followers of Jesus Christ. So today, when you leave, we are going to give you a Coca-Cola on all of our campuses. And we're going to give you that as a reminder. Somebody came up to me after one of the services and said, hey, I don't want to complain, but where's the Diet Coke? 
Just saying. All right. So here's the deal. So today, when you leave, we're going to give you a Coca-Cola as a reminder that God has not blessed us with success, but he has blessed us with potential. And we need to take advantage of that opportunity in our, in our culture. And I'm just going to say something. Coke is still trying to reach people with their product. And we need to be more passionate than Coke to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So we want to say yes to those who said no to Jesus, who said no to the church, who said no to what we believe. In fact, don't miss this next statement. We're going to put it on the screen here. Something very powerful happens when the people who said no to the church realizes the church has still said yes to them. Don't miss that, folks. There is a window and a door that gets open for you to have influence in their life when they realize that the church has still said yes to them. Listen, God has blessed us with extraordinary potential. And our success as a church, and I would even say my success as a Christ follower and your success as a Christ follower, it is determined by how well we steward our potential. There, there are more people to reach with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Everybody, don't miss this, everybody in our communities, they need to have a Christ follower that is for them, that is within arm's length of them. And so we're going to say yes to them by showing them that we are for them. And the best news of all is to show them that God is for them as well. So God has blessed us with incredible potential. Our assignment is to be faithful stewards of the potential that God has entrusted to us. So let's be for. By saying yes to people, by listening more and listening first to understand. And then by saying yes to them, by speaking a common language. We you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity. And I just pray that you really help every one of us to engage in being for our communities. Because God, the thing that we're discovering and the testimonies that we're hearing back from people is that the more they're for the people in their community, the more they're discovering that they're for their, their spouse, the more they're for their children, the more they're for the fellow believers that they're in group with, God, God, this affects our, our attitude toward everyone because, God, we're discovering that you can't be against anyone and it not affect you in your relationship with everyone. So, God, help us to be for. That's our prayer, and we need the help of your Holy Spirit to do this, and we thank you that you're ever-present and that you promised you would never leave us or forsake us, and that you would be with us to the end of the age to carry out this mission that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen.